get a coach, get a mentor, just take a step forward, get a book. I mean, anything, just take some action. I think I say this a lot to people looking back, I could have taken action much quicker than I did as an engineer analysis paralysis. I tried to learn everything through and through. When you're joining a team, you don't have to be an expert at everything. Just jump in, learn something, start networking immediately, find a coach immediately and go. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I'm your host, Yona Weiss. Excited to be here today, as always, because we have a great guest out here. We got Flint Jameson in the house. How are you doing today? Hey, Yona. Good. You know, we've been friends for a while, at least on social media, and this is great. We're finally actually talking to each other. I can't even believe that this is the first time we've actually had a conversation. I imagine we must have been on like some Zoom meetups together as well, though. Yeah, um, probably. But yeah, it's great. I love the ability and social media and all the interactions that we can have to build up, like you said, you know, a friendship, people that you really, you get to know, you know, do business with also, which is great. And then have these great conversations, hopefully meet up one time in the future. Yes. One of these days. Absolutely. Um, I'll let you know the next time I'm in Denver for sure. You know, if Bigger Pockets invites me back for a third time, I'll make the trip again to Denver. But Otherwise, you know, tell us a little bit, you know, for those listeners who aren't so familiar with you, don't know who Flint Jameson is, why don't you a little background to you know, who you are? Yeah. So I'm a mechanical engineer by trade. I went into the aerospace industry, spent 18 to 20 years there, most notably designed the 787 wing structure. Wow. Then I became a program manager. I got my MBA and I quit. I think it's two weeks ago now. So wow, I am congratulations. full-time real estate professional. Wow. So spending uh, almost 20 years in the mechanical engineering and aerospace field and now being a real estate investor. Wow, that's huge. Two weeks. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah I know. It's super fresh and it's kind of wild and crazy now working for myself for the first time. It's a learning experience to say the least. Wow. So but, let's just, yeah. before I'm going to cut you off on your story just because I don't want to yeah. miss this point, but you know, what are you doing with your time now that you're, you know, full-time real estate <laughs> investor and no longer have to check in. So for the last at least two, maybe three years, I've been working nights and weekends doing the investor thing. It's been a side gig that has grown to a point where it was unsustainable for me to continue going down the same path with a W-2 and the side gig. Mm -hmm. I have a wife and two children. They are four and six right now. I try to spend a lot of time with them. But, it, you know, you just burn yourself out. You only have so many hours in a day. I put them to bed at 8. I get back to work around 8.30, 9 o'clock. And then I work till too late. And then the weekends, it's always me trying to squeeze in four to six hours on a day. But now I spend more time with the family. That's awesome. I am far less stressed, right? My W-2 job, I was managing a $120 million program, big workforce. And there's a lot of stress there. So that stress is no longer sitting on my shoulders. Amazing. Yeah, it's kind of a different world. I'm trying to develop new habits. I can get up earlier in the morning now that I'm not staying up late. It's That's good. awesome. That's great. Amazing to hear. So going back to your story, you know, how did you transition from being a full-time aerospace engineer to buying your first property, 
you know, getting learning yeah. about syndications, which I know you've been involved with for years and, you know, kind of moving that into full time. Yeah. So I started in 2018. I bought a duplex. So I listened to Bigger Pockets. We were talking about Bigger Pockets earlier. I listened to them walking my dog four or five nights a week. And I kind of learned the burst strategy and it, it got my confidence up. And I went and bought a duplex for $80,000. It was remote. I'm in Denver. This was in Milwaukee. There's a whole story there. Things went sideways, but I still held it for about three years. And I sold it last year in April, right before the downturn. So I kind of got out at the right time. And I still made money, so it was good. But I realized after doing that burr and going through all the pains of the rehab, I decided the amount of money I was making, I was $300 per door, so $600 per month. It felt good. But to expand that portfolio to something where I was ready to retire from my day job would have mm-hmm. taken me 48 more doors. Wow. And I was like, there's just no way. And then once again, on Bigger Pockets, Michael Blanket's on there and he talks about the most efficient path to financial freedom is the syndication world. So I pivoted and I've never looked back. Wow. And here so, I am. I quit my job. That's amazing. So you had one duplex and then learned about syndications. Did you follow any sort of program or coaching uh, you know, path yeah, to be able to do that? I, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's necessary to do so unless there's a group that's willing to take you in and mentor you. But I did. Michael Blanc at the time had this online webinar course. It was like 1200 bucks. This was probably three, four years ago now. And it was just videos of educating you. You can get the same amount of information out of books. I read books. And then I started networking. And then I finally got pulled in under the wing of some friends I had been networking with and raised capital for a deal. And then magically, I'm now a capital raiser. Wow. And so you're part of the GP GP side of things. That's amazing. Right. Did you invest it all passively? I know a lot of people like to yeah. start that way to just learn the ropes. Yes, absolutely. To be honest, I think it's hugely important that you do passively invest. And it helps if you do it before you go active, because mm-hmm. you get to see the whole process through and through. You don't have to see a something full cycle. You don't have to wait three to five years, but at least get your foot in the door. But I mean, I also had retirement accounts I converted and started self-directing and throwing in there as well. So I did have some money to push that way. That seems like a very common strategy. And guys, we've talked about this on the show before. If you don't know what that is and you have a W-2, that means you have a retirement account, you have a 401k, and it's just probably sitting there collecting dust and probably being affected by the markets. Negatively, do yourself a favor learn what self-directed IRA is or or you know solo 401k Absolutely. or you know qual- qualified retirement plan and figure that out there are plenty of qualified people out there that can show you how to do that and then you have control of that money and you can put it wherever you want and have it grow tax free in a retirement account in a real estate syndication for example which is crazy yeah yeah so i i got Multiple, I got a four, solo 401k, self-directed IRAs. I might open up another one, traditional or Roth. Yeah, I got to keep that money cooking because when it's sitting in the market, it's bad right now. Bad, yeah, 100%. So I know you've done multifamily. That's really been the bread and butter for a lot of people. But more recently, you've transitioned, not transitioned, but taking on a new strategy. I know you talk about this a lot, the build to rent model. Yes. Would you mind talking a little bit about that? Because we haven't really discussed that much on the podcast before, and it is a great model that I'd just love to learn more about that. And if our listeners don't know what build to rent is, well, here's the opportunity to learn. Yeah, this is fun. It is a new asset class and it is skyrocketing. It's absolutely an asset class that the financial institutions are throwing billions at. So here's what it is. We are building a community of homes that 
are anywhere between two bed to four bed, maybe a mix of all two, three, four bed, maybe some townhomes in there as well. For this given example, because it's a 506C, we're building in Foley, Alabama, 158 homes. It is managed similar to like your class A apartment building. You have the amenities, you have the clubhouse, the pool, a dog park. It's all very nice. It's new, but every tenant gets their own little home. So they get a small front yard, small backyard, and it's where a big generation of millennials are wanting to go. Right now, the millennials are in their peak family growth years and they need to get out of apartments. But as we all know, the housing prices are so high, it's actually cheaper to rent. So this is the best compromise that we can offer is build a community of houses that's managed as a professional commercial real estate. Mm. And that's so interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. So it's like a planned community building in some town, wherever it is, right? In Alabama, you mentioned. And what we're doing is building single family homes that instead of selling them off, which is a pretty traditional way, you have contractors, you have these, you know, planned, they're building these communities and selling them off, you know, as as homes, which obviously can take a couple of years sometimes. Here, instead of doing that, we're renting out the properties, which are single family, two, three bedroom homes, and people love it, fill up. And one thing that I love about this model is unlike apartment buildings, when you have a single family home and it's in a community where it's a new community, you have much, much more retention because yes. people feel like a part of a community. They're living in a home. They, you know, they have their schools there. They, they have treat it like their neighbors house. and it's their, and they feel like it's their own house, even though they're not really owning yeah, it. Exactly. And so, I mean, it, and it is really treated in many, many ways like multifamily. I mean, it's treated, the banks treat it like a commercial property in that sense. And so to be able to refinance something like that or eventually sell it off, like you mentioned, institutional capital are buying these properties up. So I mean, yeah. it's a win-win. There's a couple more wins in there. The building a single family home to sell off individually for a contractor, you know, they can build the same 158 homes community. Right. But to broker each individual house and sell it off individually is costly. It costs a lot versus maintaining it as one single asset. Builders have actually mostly stopped building these starter size homes because the margins are so low. Mm. So if you look, there's some charts, if you look right after 2008, the builders basically stopped building starter homes. So there is a huge demand for smaller starter homes. Wow. And then on the sales side, there's exit strategies galore. One, we like to keep it as one asset and sell it off to a financial institution as one asset. But if the market changes, we can sell individual houses because we have individual houses. The clubhouse becomes an HOA and you still have all the amenities. You could do that, but I mean, really, is that like part of the exit strategy or no, not even? No, not, that's not like, I mean, you always want a bag of tricks for exit strategies because mm-hmm. you never know what the economy is going to do, but that is not, that's like the last, the last option. <laughs> the last possible option. I mean, refinancing it, obviously a huge one, selling it off as bulk, but you know, having multiple exit strategies is an important, you know, important thing. So I'm curious to know because a lot, a lot of people have taken the syndication route, you know, going in to raising capital or managing asset, managing the deals. I mean, is there one aspect of this space that you are more focused than others? You know, obviously in a GP team, there are people who have different roles. Yes, absolutely. I did not see myself being a capital raiser. I fell into it just because that's how life happens. Being a capital raiser allows me to work nights and weekends Mm -hmm. remotely. 
If you're, um, say, an acquisitions person, a lot of them travel. You have to meet with brokers. Right. Um, if you're an asset manager, you you really want to be more local and boots on the ground, and that may not be an option. So it fell into capital raising, and everybody needs capital. Everyone does need capital. That's true. So, I mean, are you? Do you have specific sponsors that you you work with exclusively, or are you you know, working with you know a number of different people on that um, end? I'd say I work with three now, and that might expand to five. Here's the thing I really like about capital raising. I can work with the super niched experienced operator. Like you have the Dallas Fort Worth class B value add apartment group, and that's all they do. Uh If that's the only person you know to invest with, that's all you're investing in is Dallas Fort Worth class B, which isn't bad. But me as a capital raiser, I can now spread my portfolio out and I can do self storage or RV resorts or class A in a different city, right? So I've got my investors diversified across multiple states, across multiple asset classes. And I hope to continue to expand that. Makes sense. Yeah. And out of curiosity, how do you find these investors or yours? I mean, are they obviously having a 20 year career in engineering, which tends to be, you know, a relatively high paid career? You know, yeah. do you have other engineers or other people that you've worked with in the past that friends and family <laughs> and that kind of thing? Yes. Or is it just kind of spreading uh, your wings out? There is. I would say I have less friends and family that are, I guess, capable of investing and far more engineers. Yeah. Former coworkers. Well, like it's two weeks ago, I could have said current coworkers. Right. <laughs> yeah. There is, there's a heavy amount of engineers as my investors. That's pretty cool. But and I, it, I'm not exclusive, right? I take sure. anyone that wants to invest. Sure. But I think there is an advantage to someone who is capital raising. I'm sure you've, you've experienced this as well as targeting a certain group or certain type yes. of people that yeah. now you're showing engineers in, in your example. But I know people who do this who are in the medical profession and they target right. medical professionals showing, yes. hey, this is me or this was me. And here is a way to use your retirement account to use whatever you know funds you have, invest that, grow that and showing the actual returns compared to the markets and things like that. It's just people don't know that it's even an option. Yeah. And they, and that's, yeah, it's called the avatar, right? That's, right. that's the person who I target. And the reason being is we normally speak the same language, like a doctor that decides to shift into this, they target the medical industry because they have similar background and they speak the same language. Same with mine. I understand engineers and analysis paralysis is a big thing. And that's just something I have to help them overcover. Overcome. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'm surprised that you're not more on like the underwriting side, having the engineering background. I mean, is that something that you, I mean, obviously I, you probably I have more experience. Do underwrite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I spent so many years of my career just diving through spreadsheets. And to be honest, I'm good at it and I can do it. And I still do it to vet operators, to vet deals. But to do that full time, and that's like my daily thing, that just sounds like my engineering life. Well, so I want to go back to something you you kind of just your random you know thing you kind of threw in there when you're talking about your beginning, your journey and engineering career. You mentioned something about designing the wing for the 787. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, yeah, the Dreamliner. <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was probably 80,000 engineers on that aircraft, but <laughs> I very specifically worked on the wing leading edge. You know, there, there's this metallic structure underneath the skin of the wing, and that's what I focused on. There was a whole bunch, we call them ribs, they're under there. So there's a fixed, a non-moving section. And then, you know, when you take off and land, everybody knows the flaps, the flaps. Extend. Right. Well, 
I don't know if most people notice, but the leading edge of the wing also extends out. So now everyone's going to be looking that listen yeah. to this podcast. We're looking take for off, that next time. The leading edge. There's things called slats, and they they move forward to also help with we call it high lift. So we increase the lift at slower speeds so you can take off and land. And that's wow. what I did. Pretty cool. I mean, that's amazing what engineering can do. I mean, the fact that you know a plane can even fly, you know, right. in itself is an incredible feat of you know of the human mind and engineering. But continuing to design and perfect something like that in so many different ways is just it's. I mean, eighty thousand engineers working on it. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, and that that might be a lowball number, but. You know, it's funny. My wife, when I first started working there, this is just total side funny story. Uh, the aircraft was four years late when I started working there. And we were just grinding long hours. We got to get this airplane out and delivered to the customers. And one night I get home, my wife was like, I don't get it. Why don't you guys just build it? Just put it together. <laughs> like, it's so much more complicated than that. Uh, yeah, but that <laughs> program, yeah, just put it together. Yeah. So, I mean, as you see, yeah, I still follow the aerospace industry, but right now they're Boeing's trying to get the 777X out and it's been in flight test for probably two years and it's still not even delivered. They're having major problems. They're complex, big machines right. that require a huge amount of troubleshooting to make sure they're safe. For sure. I mean, that's the number one factor, right? Obviously, safety is is the biggest concern. Tell me a little bit about now that you are full-time or fr- free, I guess I would say, from the golden handcuffs of the W-2 and free to do what you love doing now, which is real estate investing. I mean, do you have any plans, any, any traveling, any anything that you, you know, are going to do yes. differently? You talked about habits changing and, and doing things differently, but I mean, like, what are you, you going to do with yourself now? <laughs> uh, that's such a great question, Yona. I'm going skiing next week for three days. We're going to take the kids. Uh, we're going up to Crested Butte. But yes, me and my wife love travel. We've both lived abroad in the past. I told my wife before we had kids, we had to travel to all seven continents before we have kids. So mission accomplished. Cool. Seven. Yeah, so oh, travels- right. I remember you mentioning something about your wife traveling to Antarctica. Oh, yeah. Like- so that's a total, that's a, something totally different. Like, yeah, oh. <laughs> we traveled as tourists to Antarctica. But now here we are, I think, you know, eight years later, my wife works for a company that supports all of the, the logistics operations to do research in Antarctica. So she goes down there. That's crazy. Uh, she just threatened actually the other night, she's going to go back down in March, possibly. So, and when you go to Antarctica, it's not like a week trip, but you're gone for a month plus. Wow. So then I'm single parent. But yes, to your point, I really want to travel more. I really want to give my kids that experience of experience being exposed to the world, to other cultures. Right. I do want to start giving back more. I've talked a lot about once once I get my head screwed on, now that I'm working for myself, I really want to start giving some time to engineers without borders. It's like mm-hmm. doctors without borders, where engineers go and create, you know, water filtration systems for remote towns in Africa, or, yeah. you know, for example. That's awesome. Oh, that's amazing. I think there, I mean, there's such a need for that around the world. And I love when I hear people having plans to really invest and do things with an impact that are going to really help, you know, change the world and communities around the world, because having more money or having, you know, real estate investing creates, you know, wealth. It really does. And being in it full time, it means you're going to be able to create a lot more wealth than you would have, you know, being working. And with that, you have such a really, in my opinion, a responsibility, but an opportunity at the very least to help other people and impact 
you know, your communities that you live in and those around the world that are in need. So, you know, good for you for having something like that and plans to do yeah, that. And looking thanks. forward to hearing, you know, hearing how that progresses because that's exciting. Yeah, this is the year. It's the year to jump on the rocket and shoot for the moon. You know, one thing that I will say is that there are plenty of other people like yourself that that also have that goal in mind, but don't necessarily know how to do it or where to get started. But if you can create something or combine the efforts of other engineers or other people like you, I think you'll get there much, much faster. Yeah. And the one thing to add to that is get a coach, get a mentor, just take a step forward, get a book. I mean, anything, just take some action. I think I say this a lot to people looking back, I could have taken action much quicker than I did Mm -hmm. as an engineer analysis paralysis. I tried to learn everything through and through when you're joining a team, you don't have to be an expert at everything. Just jump in. Just just jump in, learn something, start networking immediately, find a coach immediately and go. Amazing. It's so true. We all have that to a certain extent. And it's something that's kept me back for a long time also. But you're absolutely right. There's so much more to accomplish once you can get over that analysis process and find a coach, find a mentor, find that networking groups that can help you get there much faster. Flint, I'd love to just, you know, ask you one more question before we get into the final four, which is what, you know, how, where do you see this journey now? You're only two weeks fresh. So you may, this yeah. may change from time to time, but I mean, you know, your, your kids are young. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Let's say we're not going to be in the same house we're living in. Now we are geographically free. My wife works remotely. So We'll be there. I think I'm going to be, I wouldn't say I'm financially free right now, but in five years, my goal is to be 100% financially free. Whether or not my wife wants to step away from her W-2 is up to her, but I want to make her completely work optional. And that's mm-hmm. that's the main target. That's an awesome and just goal. just be able to free roam as needed. Or as there you want. go. And, you know, that's an amazing thing also that you're able to, you know, a lot of people need that runway or need that big, you know, have enough cash flow to, you know, to cover for themselves. But, you know, even though you did take a while to jump in, you still jumped in, not necessarily yeah. knowing that this is going to be, I mean, still we're in a turbulent times right now. You know, the markets yeah. are, even the financial markets and are not stable. And you know, people were talking about real estate having some troubles also in the coming years. Who knows? I haven't seen it yet, but people are still right. talking about that. But good for you. It's awesome to see people taking action. Thanks. So I will want to transition to what we call the final four. And this is four questions we ask all the guests. Flint. First question for you is what is the worst job that you ever had? It's funny. I worked at Boston Market as a dish cleaner for three months. I think that was probably my worst. Oddly enough, I immediately went to the Safeway and became you know, a grocery bagger. And that was one of the best jobs of my life. And it all has to do with the people you work with. For some reason, everybody that I worked with at that Safeway was just so much fun to be with. And so wow. it's kind of, yeah, it's random because the job wasn't really that cool, but it was just made a lot of friends there. Sure. Yeah. And the environment you work in 100% has to do with the time you spend. No one wants to spend time doing something, even if it's a great job around people that they don't want to be around and vice versa, right? right? Even if it's not a great job, but they're great people to hang out with. The time goes by and and you can enjoy it. So that's awesome. I mean, being a dishwasher is really hard. So I definitely understand why that was the worst, regardless of who you're around. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Second question, what's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? I think the best book is The Go-Giver. I think it's by Bob Bird. Yeah. It's all about just making 
value for others or creating value for others. And the more value you create for others, the more that comes back to you as well. For sure. Yeah, I would love that book. And it's actually been mentioned several times on the show. In fact, I did a post about that recently, you know, all the books and everything like that. And I ended up giving away a bunch of copies of that book to people because it's just, it's such a, such an awesome book. The value add that talks about there just being a go-giver, going out of your way to do for other people. And it comes back to you a hundredfold for sure. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Amy Silvis has now given out that book to she is. people joining her program. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah. Love the book and love, you know, Bob. So if he's listening to this, love to get him on the show also. <laughs> Maybe he's not listening, but either way, I'm probably going to invite him on soon. Third question, what is a skill or talent that you would like to learn? And this could be anything. <laughs> so yeah, we talk about me being 20-year career in engineering. I've never classically been trained sales or marketing. Okay. And here I am as a capital raiser behind the cloak is sales and marketing. I am a salesperson. I am, I've got coaches, I've got mentors. I've never been classically trained, but now I am. And it is such a different world and it is challenging. And sure. that is a skill that even though I am actively doing it, it's a skill I want to learn. Absolutely. And I mean, Bob Berg, that's, even though it's not like a sales book per, per se, but it is because yeah. having that type of attitude and having that type of approach in my opinion, is probably like the best approach for sales. And Gary Vaynerchuk also in terms of his approach, which is marketing is just, you know, adding value, creating value for yes. others and education. And those are huge components of it. So the more you can pick up skills like that, the better you'll be. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. The whole story behind the go-giver is a salesperson trying to close a sale and he yeah. goes through this journey. It's such an intriguing story. Awesome. Well, I wish you luck with that. I'm sure you'll have a lot of success because you're doing you're doing well thus far and definitely getting your name out there. So I'm sure it's just going to continue down that path. Flint, fourth and final question, what does success mean to you? There's many ways to look at it depending on the lens. Personal success to me is that financial freedom within five years or less or being totally work optional. From the lens externally, bringing the most value I can to others because that's ultimately what brings value back to me. Right? For sure. If I can make if I can change people's lives, it's a huge impact on the world. I agree. A thousand percent. You know, the, the more you give, the more you get back, for sure. And not that you should be doing it with that intention. I mean, don't be giving and don't be helping or creating value for others with the intention that you're going to get something back because it comes right. regardless. So having the right mindset of doing it altruistically. And, you know, I've talked about this dozens of times, not hundreds of times on this podcast and others, but that's really the ultimate goal. And I love to hear when others have a similar viewpoint of success, because that in the end of the day, that's really what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. Flint, where can our listeners find you or reach out to you? So I think the easiest is just go to investwithflint.com. It'll take you to my website, Best is Capital, and you can learn and contact me from there. Very cool. Investwithflint.com. Such a cool website. That's pretty cool. I'm going to actually try to now go to Google or you know Bluehost or wherever and try to see if yeah, investwithyona.com is available. You should. <laughs> actually, it's funny because I'm starting to buy up a whole bunch of these because they cost like 20 bucks a year. You might as well buy the things that are similar to you. But yeah, it's when I say... Go to investuscapital.com. People don't always know how to spell it out. So right. invest with Flint makes it easier. Much easier for sure. Amazing. Well, it's been a pleasure, Flint. I really appreciate you coming on the show and glad we can finally have this face-to-face -face conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is great. And to our listeners, thank you guys for joining once again. 
all the way until the end. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.